we should do something. Somebody should say, I think we found out who Pupmos is. It's, and then we kick it off. Welcome to Game of Notes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, Game of Nodes, the <laughs> weekly podcast um, from uh, on the Cosmos from independent validators, uh, where every single episode we're looking for more and more extreme ways to troll other people <laughs> with how we open <laughs> with how we open the show. Sorry, Usurper, you just perfect. got got. That was awesome. Um, so thanks for joining us. Uh, also thanks to the number of people that we, we got quite a lot of feedback as well for episode 2.5, which we kind of did off the hoof um, on as a result of the feedback we got from episode two. So also lots of thank yous to everybody who's been checking these out, giving us feedback, giving us comments, and also suggesting topics. Um, we're going to probably talk about um, a couple of things that have been thrown our way a little bit further down the show. Um, some stuff around smart contracts and should I be signing these things, um, TLDR, do your own research. Um, but first, we're going to do our regular um, session. Noel, do you want to take over here? Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start. So the regular question to start out each week is the dumbest thing you've seen in crypto this week. And while this might not be the dumbest thing I've ever seen, it was this week, and that was the uh, triple launch for the triple fail to launch in uh, craft, unfortunately, <laughs> this week resulted in trying the same genesis at different times three times which resulted in well initially we did get it booted on the first genesis but then it uh all of the vote power was with one validator which didn't appear to work and everyone got jailed and then we shut that down and tried again uh but you know without everybody on board at another time that was very short after the announcement and not enough uh vote and so that went on a few days and then tried another one, which resulted in not enough vote and uh, failed to launch new Genesis, this time with another network ID. So, you know, that's a step forward. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, moving around the room then. So maybe uh, Schultze to go completely uh, not in order of the pictures on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, the Cosmos Lend airdrop that's happening right now. They put out a tweet where they want validators to basically market for them, and they're going to do, I want to say they're going to airdrop to seven validators, only seven, the seven with the best marketing scheme. And I have pretty strong opinions about, you know, people giving delegations to validators over an airdrop. Now, I say that, but I, I say that, you know, I get some of the craft bonus for my, for my Adam validators. So I guess I'm... I don't know, talking crap to myself. But I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it's dumb. Uh, that's what I've got for the week. Um, so, Usurper, you got anything for us this week? I don't think so. I, just to defend the, the the crap team, maybe not defending, but the, the challenges of test nets have been getting more and more, I think they've been getting worse over time, like in this last few months, it seems. So I think the, the groups are too big and they want diversity and validators, which I, I totally agree with, right? You want to be able to bring people in, especially folks who are not running this professionally and just want to give them the opportunity to run nodes. That's how I got in, right? So I totally get it. But when you have 60 or 70 or 120 validators and they're global and we kind of pick a time and then we make a mistake and then we have a last minute get, you know, get change on a, on a whatever it is, right? We're going to change the, that last minute. We're going to change the, uh, the network ID or something similar to that. It just, 
it's difficult. So I think this last one, I mean, they're going to, I think they started with this last, this last girl around, which I thought was the right way to do it, but they started with the, they had Gentex and they had all the kind of coins from the original Gentex that they did. And then they started with five validators to say, okay, we'll get it going. And once it's going, then we'll, we'll let people do a create and bring them in. And then one of the five disappeared. And so they're right back to where they started where they (laughs) didn't have enough. So it was an A for effort on that though. But I think that, uh, that, uh, I think we've seen a, we've seen a lot of challenges with just getting test nets off the ground, right? Yeah, not to mention main nets. Not calling out anybody in particular, but so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not hacking on craft at all, but yeah. like uh, I think uh, probably it's important if you have a failed uh, fail to launch, then it's important to iterate the uh, the chain ID because you get so many um, you know old nodes trying to connect, everything gets confused, yeah. and yeah. then it just doesn't work. So. I think that's a good lesson for anyone trying to run a test net. Um, if you get a fail to launch, just iterate the ID and recollect Gentex. If you're going to use five people and they're there, just get a Gentex and and pull them in and, and, and start a new network ID. Yeah. Um, Jabby, did you want to talk to us, man, or did you, did you want to? Um, you're driving. <laughs> no, I got, I got it. Um, so the dumbest thing that I saw in crypto uh, is actually a historical relic. Um, can you hear me guys? Yeah. Yeah, man. Right, yeah. Uh, so to make a long story short in, uh, pre proto buff JSON days, there was a certain set of messages that you could send to, uh, cosmos chains to do different actions. And then once proto buff was introduced, some of those messages got renamed. And so, uh, my team and I spent, uh, I don't know, at least 48 hours trying to debug something. And it turns out that the protobuf form of message delegator withdraw reward is message delegator withdraw reward, but the amino JSON is message delegation withdraw reward. And so I had been encoding it wrong and uh, we found out that there was this delta. Um, so... You know, if you're going to do backwards compatibility or, or something like that, uh, <laughs> you need to go I back and check between, the messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it was between uh, V zero three point three nine and 0.40, but uh, that was a fun one. That 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 was fun. Well, they say assumptions the mother of all fuck ups, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of losing that, yeah. a little bit there. I'm not 100% sure where the hell he is or what the hell he's doing, but uh, he's definitely um, going out of his way to be with us today. <laughs> we, we've had no explanation from what where he is or what he's doing. He just showed up in a car on the phone with someone else in the car now. And, uh, yeah, I'm just in a van. It's a large passenger van. I, I'm giving out free candy. It's totally normal. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's another nondescript person in the vehicle. It's, uh, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's and, uh, yeah, Bob Moss. Oh, g'day. How you going? <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> the, uh, there was me, like, there was me, like, all worried before this show aired that there was some, I, I'm, I'm at my parents' place, and there were some photos of people in my wider family behind me and i was like oh, i can't dox these people and jabby's just in the car with his family <laughs> and null's so, obviously pointing to the family cow tradition in australia of course uh, for those of you listening on podcast players null is pointing a picture of a cow that's behind it 
Um, and also, uh, Jabby has somebody in the car with him. Oh, and Jabby is in a car. That's probably yeah. also not obvious if you're not watching the YouTube stream. So, um, hang on. Th- so, we still haven't finished going around the room, and I guess now is a good time to introduce, introduce. Uh, our guest this week, which is uh, Ghost from Whispernode. Uh, tried to join last week, but had um, some issues with uh, the um, the hardware for the stream so uh joining us this week instead and actually it's perfect because now we have six because uh jack's unable to join us this week but uh ghost mate did you have uh something a little bit crazy a little bit stupid you saw in the cosmos this week validate yeah, def- definitely um cerberus proposal number two <laughs> some dude just straight up asking like we had just and when i say we i mean uh chill validation and i we were working on proposal one it was my first proposal ever I don't know about his. Uh, we push it live, and literally hour and a half later, someone pushes proposal to live. Like, hey, I am cute mouse. Give me money. Ha ha ha. Something to that effect. And that was prop two, like straight up hour and a half later. And I was just like, awesome way to start the chain, guys. Decentralization, man. Yeah, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the total cost to make a server is, uh, you know, um, prop at the moment is probably what like two bucks it's 150,000 servers which comes out to like 30 bucks 40 bucks yeah and unfortunately the team hadn't had their native wallet finished yet so they told everyone to go to the bitsong wallet which allows you to make text proposals right through it so someone figured that out really quick and there you go here we go there you go so And and we just doxed that fact as well. So at least, uh, what, the 10 people or something watching this live right now can immediately go. (laughs) Well, there you go. go. Don't do it. Anybody can create a proposal. Maybe someone can create a proposal to increase the the amount required to make a proposal. (laughs) That's the hope. Um, He did get no with Vito, though. So Yeah, well, that's, that's what it's there for. To lose your thirty bucks. <laughs> That's right. It's a huge <laughs> risk. So um I guess I wouldn't mind circling back around to um what Schiltze started talking about with uh, uh just briefly like the the cosmic can, can I go with the dumbest thing I've seen this week? Oh, did I miss around. you? Yeah, shit. We did actually miss you. This it, it's it's fine, but this is actually it's not quite from this week, but and I don't mean to like just like stick the boot in, or what is it you say now? Shovel? No. What's the slang that you use? No, for like for like sticking it into somebody for giving them a kicking. Oh shit! I don't know. Twist the knife. Uh, no, it was like some like shoveling, shoveling shit, raking. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Dragon. Anyway, rake. it's gonna it's gonna have to, it's lost the mystery of time. Anyway, so. Um, obviously found out about this a little while ago and I thought it was a joke that the next Cosmo versus Cosmverse conference is going to be in Colombia. Oh. Um, and um, I kind of just like sort of ignored that and was like, that, that can't be real. And then, no, it really is true and it was 100% confirmed to me this week and I was like, okay, like no disrespect to the team, Cosmoverse and Lisbon was amazing. It was a really good time. Um, met some incredible people, had a great time. Would totally love to go to another one, but um, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to Colombia um, <laughs> with a target painted on my back. So, 
<laughs> so that 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 is the most that is the most literally. How do you I, really I think, feel about Columbia? I think I literally spit took my tea um, when somebody was like, "No, no, legit, that is where it is." And I was like, "Cool." I was, yeah. Um, as I said to them, I would quite happily anonymously go backpacking there. Not a problem. It, it probably is a really really good time. I've I've been backpacking in South Central America before, but I wouldn't go to a big room advertised as this big room will be full of crypto nerds who may or may not a hundred percent understand Walt. what a big target no they are. you know <laughs> someone someone had said you're actually probably wanted there <laughs> <laughs> have you been backpacking there before the fray uh i i'm not wanted in any jurisdiction that i know of but a friend <laughs> no. a friend well, one a friend of mine got uh, had to get smuggled across the border to Panama, uh, I think from Costa Rica once because of, it's too complicated to even explain why it was basically a misunderstanding, but they did have to get smuggled, smuggled across the border. And somebody I know got thrown out of Borneo, like as an escorted to the border and just booted like Homer Simpson style into the adjacent country. Well, neither so of those things were nice. me. I always want to clarify. Neither of those were me. They were people I know. But Alex, yeah, asking for a friend. <laughs> Alex, you're wanted in this jurisdiction. Yeah, man, you're you're wanted. We want you. We, we you're want wanted you. right here. That's 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 kind of wholesome. I like that. Um, so this sorry, is whole, okay. holistically wholesome show. Holistic. Holistically wholesome show. Speaking of holistically wholesome, should we uh, loop back to you? Wanted to loop back to Shortsy's point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think like um, Shortsy's point is quite relevant at the moment, and. Uh, you know, I guess it's worth talking about, and I guess we're all guilty. Uh, well, I know. Well, not actually, we're not all guilty, but some of us here are guilty of being on the train of, um, you know, delegations for airdrops. I'm guilty, uh, king drop. Um, but uh, I knocked that on the head shortly after actually announcing that, and just took a snapshot because I I realised like how damaging it is to uh, other validators. So, and Schulte um, briefly touched on uh, Craft, but Craft is a little bit different in that, yes, there are bonuses for some um, validators, but they are also doing an airdrop to the vast majority of people in any case, and, and the bonus isn't that huge. Um, so, I think, yeah, so I'm, I'm involved in that, and I think Schulte's involved with that. And Rhino, are you? I'm not sure if you, no. you and Jabby are. Straight up week. dealing nefarious shit like that, except for dealing in nefarious things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I want to make the point that I don't think that Cosmos Lend, I think it's going to be a great product. I hope it's going to be a great product. Um, and I don't think that them only airdropping to seven validators will like damn the project. It's just a direction that I don't see being a positive direction for the ecosystem to go. Um, it starts with airdrops of tokens and then it goes to like NFTs, which we're starting to see more and more. Um, yeah. Unity Chaos has them saying that they're, they are giving MT airdrops. What's going to be after that? I don't know. Um, but as we're seeing, it's, it's always escalating. And to then escalate to only seven validators, that to me is just, it's not, it's not the way to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't fully understand why they've done that. I, it doesn't really make any sense to me. If you want to bootstrap a project, you want to get it out to as many people as you can. And I don't see the sense for their project in selecting seven validators, whether it's to have them all fighting over Twitter for a bloody you know, recognition of the project so they can be one of the seven validators. But 
I, I signed a, I tweeted yesterday, like, how do I get involved with the project? And then, like, saw what you had to do. And now I just, I'm not going to get involved with it. So sorry to any of my delegators, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's going in a bad direction and we don't want to encourage it. So, yeah. So, I mean, also, I guess, like, I, I got a bit of indirect shade there because obviously, like, with the name service, we are actually, okay, I need to, choose my words a tiny bit carefully here because there is a team that are going to do an airdrop um, for users of that service but also there <clears throat> I obviously don't want to give away the exact criteria that um, you know mean eligibility or whatever like but I will say that like the way that a lot of the early doors stuff was done with like validators just dropping to their um, uh, delegated and stuff like definitely influenced us in terms of thinking about like well, what behavior are we incentivizing here and you know something I mean it's something that we actually we publicly said a couple of times as well around it was that um, we don't want to incentivize people to just buy a load of names right. because that's also just filling up a namespace from, from and preventing people who will come along later and actually want a name to build a project on top of Mm-hmm. Or, or use for some other thing that we haven't thought of. Um, so that's kind of like an anti-pattern. And so, you know, we sort of like, well, you know, the eligibility criteria are going to be like, hopefully harder to game. It's not going to be just our validator. It's going to be more general. Um, if, if there is any wider drop than just to users and, you know, you probably shouldn't just buy a load of names. That probably is not a thing you should do. And yet, like, you know, some people have and it's cool, you know, if they want to do that, that's fine. We're not telling people how to spend their money. And if they like the project or if it gives them a buzz, that's cool. But um, designing an airdrop is really hard is basically what I learned from that. And if we've learned anything from Prop 16, it's that, yeah, it's like even harder than you could possibly imagine, right? What, so, if, I, what if I bought a bunch of names across 50 wallets and then later combined them under one wallet? Would that be uh, <laughs> completely accepted well, too soon? Or? <laughs> I was talking to Shane about this the other day because um, this was uh, I, I, this is how much time has flown. This must have actually been more like fourteen days ago. It's just that it feels like yesterday to me because I haven't slept in like fourteen days, um, as my crazy eyes will probably tell you. Um, but I was, I was kind of trying to catch Shane from Stargaze up on the on the drama and. Uh, he was like, oh, well, you know, there's ways, you, know you, you kind of do want to restrict, you know, something, something, something. And I was like, Shane, I've, I've, I'm going to just level with you right now. I have, I have bought, I have breached the token limit on some of your NFT projects by switching projects. Burn me at the stake. Uh, so, yeah. I think we all, I think most people here have done the same thing, have bought stars using multiple wallets, right? No. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I have. Not I don't know. I think airdrops for them. I, I just bought pictures that I liked. <laughs> yeah um has anybody oh, sorry, I, we, we, we all yeah. we all aped into the star the stargaze um genesis nfts didn't we but has anybody yeah got, yeah but like has, i just has bought anybody as many got as any ones? ibc uh i have a copy of follow-up ones i've been huge in ibc friends um, I'm, i missed ibc friends send me one I'll send you like the, I've, I've got a number six right now i ended up trading like i used part of my airdrop bought a couple really low rank ones or you know like high rank jump ones whatever and just started hustling my way up and now i have like a rank six a rank 200 and something else 
So, and then they're coming out with their next wave. So they're going to do 5,000 more. And I, I think end of April, I'm not mistaken, something like that. So there's 5,000 more coming, but yeah, that's a cool one. Nice. Uh, so we might be having some audio issues here. Uh, someone's saying that they can't hear us. We did hear that. Um, anyway. I saw that. Yeah. The only person I can't hear properly is you surface. I man. hit your loud. Really? Button. Yeah. Like when you put your mouth right up to it, I can when you're eating it, but still a little bit quiet, man. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so I guess, um, yeah, I mean, there's not just, it's not just people doing that one thing either. Like there's a lot of that type of practice across at the moment. And I get it. Like people are trying to attract delegations to their, um, to their, uh, validators, but I guess what kind of gets lost during all of this is that um, maybe people don't consider before they re- re-delegate like what the person that they're re-delegating from or the company or the, the validator that they're re-delegating from actually is providing to the ecosystem, um, whether or not they're giving away a free nifty or whatever um, or a token you know, are they actually supporting the ecosystem that is, you know, controlling all of this? What, what are they doing to help it? And, you know, maybe consider, are you going to a validator that's providing any value whatsoever to the, to the network or are they just giving something away or helping you compound your, your rewards? So, um, you know, I just think there's people need to sort of start considering more things than just, jumping around from airdrop to airdrop. Um, and a lot of them, you know, are not really valuable. Um, so but I, I guess the, the flip Just side of that thoughts. question is, well, what are, what are good ways you can market yourself as a validator that don't involve uh, those kinds of strategies? Like let's say, let's take a step back and say, you know, you want to enter um, a validator set with potentially a lower self-stake. How do you then market yourself? I will be a less, like a more acceptable way, in your opinion, to market. Yeah, and and it's hard to capture the attention um, of people, especially when you're starting out, and um, it takes a long time to like build a a social following around your validator, um, and it's tough when you start losing them to, uh, you know, just other other things to to projects that like you know aren't aren't um, providing any value to the to the networks. Um, so, you know, you, you lose them in the hope that they'll come back, but uh, you kind of, you, you kind of just consider them gone when they're gone, don't you? But um, yeah, man, but uh, hopefully like, you know, as, as everything develops and goes on, uh, people start to make more considerations um, and try to consider where they're going to. I know um, back when, you know, Juno launched it, Lots of people came into the chats and they're like, who should we delegate to? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, a lot of the admins and stuff in there were saying, um, you know, things along the lines of delegate to people who do relaying or delegate to people who provide RPCs or are involved with development because they're actively trying to help the chain um, or tooling or, you know, this and that. Um and which was good to see, but now people, I don't see the question uh, as much anymore. I just, you know, it's all all based around Twitter and where the hype is or. Yeah. 
uh, RPC happens. and relayers, I think, is a big one. Like as as somebody who is a scumbag and doesn't run RPCs or relayers, um, oh, because I, what a leech. <laughs> I mean, I, I probably should be starting to run RPCs really, but it's just one of those like, how many hours do I have in the day? Um, uh, okay. things so sorry not sorry I guess but but it is definitely a thing where I, I kind of look when I'm looking to delegate you know funds funds that I have somewhere where I'm like who's running RPCs because that seems to me like a I kind of, kind of quite it's a place where you can quite easily get into like a, tra- a tragedy of the commons especially when you have like things like smart contract chains where um, I mean the, the thing that people have been talking about recently is like the usage of um, I think Fortis is like really, really RPC hungry, um, and it kind of hammers the RPC. Um, and obviously, that's been like a really popular airdrop um, recently. So you know, there's, there's situations like that where you know there are people running RPC nodes who aren't seeing maybe a return proportional to the amount of effort they're putting into run those RPCs. But then I don't run them myself, so I guess I can't speak to like exactly how complex and how much extra maintenance running those is on top of running a validator. I think maybe Usurper would have some thoughts on that. I don't so, think... Go ahead. Go ahead, Dylan. Okay, I was going to add really quick that one thing that's pretty interesting about this conversation is that um, I've talked to quite a few people who have done chain analysis on this, and being a relayer, being an RPC provider, it basically gives you zero new delegations. Basically nothing. The only way you get delegations by doing it is by speaking to the teams directly. And that can be that can be quite effective. Um, certainly, like in Secret's case, it is um, in Juno's case, it is. But all in all, like running those services is is very thankless. Um, and so, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that one, I absolutely agree that those people deserve the support. But unfortunately, two, they don't then get that support. Um, so, like Osmosis, they put up a article like last week or two weeks ago. The support team did about relayers and kind of support you can provide them. And there was basically no delegation change that happened, even though they, they spent all this time getting this data together and talking about it. And it's just an unfortunate yeah. reality of, of the ecosystem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, I think all that's accurate. I think it's, it's difficult to, for anybody walking in this to have a good understanding of, of how to be able to pick from a moniker list, right. That's, that's out there. And there's, it's not really, published or there's no icons on MinScan that shows who's doing relaying, right? Nobody knows what relaying is and what the role of IBC is. So I agree that that's really more of a dev kind of project ownership delegation type structure that's going to happen. I also don't think projects are hurting for IBC relayers. Like it seems like there's a tremendous number of relayers that are out there and sometimes there's too many in a channel because they have different gas and people are dropping transactions and other types of things. So it's not it's not that that it's a necessarily 100% um, an underserved market right now. Um, uh, I would like to stop you there really oh. quick. So that is true for a very Future. short time. So it's very frequent for a bunch of people to jump into relaying, to set it up, to I put, let's say, 10 Juno into it. Yeah. And then once it runs out of that initial seed, they bounce and never come back. And so you have a list of, let's say, 20 relayers or addresses on Minskin, seeing these people relay. They really only did it for a week or so, and then it goes away. Right. And then you generally have like three or four relayers that are actually reliably maintaining those channels and making sure that it's healthy over a really long period. Right. Like, cause I mean, all this stuff, I mean, we're, we're literally, we're even from a validation perspective or a relay or anything else. We're, 
doing it for years and years to come. And so getting into these chains or getting into these types of situations, it's not something you just want to walk away from, right? And exactly the, right. Yeah. And the vast majority walk away from it about a week after it's set up, which is just, right. yeah. Right. So I guess like the, the long-term relay is, um, though, from what I've seen, uh, well, in, Ju- in Juno anyway, I'm not sure about other networks, but I know that Juno supports their um, long-term relays with the mm-hmm. core one um, wallet. They they do like, I'm not sure if it's like a fortnightly or monthly um, distribution to help cover those fees and stuff. So um, that's good to see. And I really can't wait for like relaying to be more effective in terms of the costs and yep. how they're handled in the, in the module. Um, I would like to see, you know, those costs being covered per transaction um, as part of that module. Um, so presumably people are working on that. Uh, you might have more of an idea, um, Schultz, you've been, you're, you're a relayer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll give a shout out to Omniflix here. They are, as far as I'm aware, the first network to use the fee grant module, which allows for them to actually pay the fee for all relaying transactions for the relayers. That's awesome. Um, that doesn't yeah, that is cover awesome. everything because all the time investment and server investment, but the fact that they're even putting that foot forward, I think is absolutely fantastic. It's a really great move right. forward for the ecosystem. Shout out, um, by the way, to uh, Omniflix. Um, like they've been not rushing their their launch uh, to mm-hmm. to catch on the hype, and they've been they've been coming up with a lot of good ideas and talking with their communities a lot and and validators and relayers and making sure that they try and do things as right as they can with the tools they've got at the moment and developing um, more tools and stuff as well. So shout out to them, Sisler yeah. and the team doing yeah. a great job. And great communication from that group, right? And like they're very clear and man, like really reach out to validators, like you said. No, it's it's good stuff. The other thing we should call yeah. out is we should call out uh, Blockpain's nine types of validators blog post, which we'll link in the description, maybe here on this down below, um, as well as in the podcast, because it, it really, I think, did a great job of kind of bucketing up some different types of validators within the ecosystem and and kind of how validators, or at least maybe some independents that are on this this uh, podcast, you know, review those and kind of think about how they kind of bucket up different types of validators that are out there. Um, but I do agree that like there's a, the real discoverability and like marketing and just a value challenge within this. Um, and somebody new coming into this and trying to just figure out what staking is or starting to think about LPs and those types of things. Um, it's just one more thing, right? And I look at this large list and so what am I going to do? Well, they're ranked one through hundred. So I'm going to take the top and, that really, not only does that not really relate to value to adding to the chain, it really does not necessarily relate to, to security. It doesn't relate to uptime. It doesn't necessarily relate to involvement. It doesn't relate to a whole bunch of different things. And that, that statement is very broad. Like it's very different across different types of chains. But, but it's, I would, it's really, I think this, this challenge is a really large one for trying to bring new people in and trying to also build diversification in the, in the validator set. Yeah, so I mean, I get, I'm guessing most of us read um, Al Sal's blog post on how you actually measure decentralization of a chain in terms of voting power and the validator set and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, well, I can't remember what was it H- HFFI, what the, the 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 metric that they used to to, to to sort of evaluate it rather than using the Gini coefficient. Right. And that was a really interesting blog post, and I think it highlights a lot of the problems, like a kind of maybe more academic level, the, the problems that Usurper was start sort of starting to get onto there, which is like you know how 
decentralized actually are we in practice and you know this is something that we saw in juno um when the validator set was pushed up to 125 um because we we, we kind of hit this brick wall of performance was degraded and performance de degraded to the point that we had to do a follow-up proposal to change the the blocks per year to actually bring inflation back in line with what it should be but at the same time you know it it is it is in when you look at it you should you, you want to intuit that 125 validators is more decentralized than 100 but the reality is that if all of the delegations are still going to the top 10 it actually doesn't move the needle on the Gini coefficient or any kind of traditional measures of um, uh, inequality, right? So you use measures of inequality to measure voting power because voting power uh, as a kind of rubric for decentralization, I guess, is um, it, it is actually academically viewable as a problem of um inequality and resource allocation right, right. so um so that's why it, so for, for people that are curious as to why i've suddenly dropped into um sort of inequality economics that's that's why it's it's the set of tools that are generally used to talk about voting power at the moment um and so yeah i i, I guess you know it's that question of like how are we measuring decentralization and what is decentralization anyway and, and what is the metric of decentralization that's most useful to us? Because, you know, there's what, one thing that I've been very interested in for a number of years, and I've actually, um, uh, it is um, sort of a distributed systems. My background is distributed data systems to some extent. Mm -hmm. And I was recently talking to Martin Klatman, who wrote the book uh, Designing Data Intensive Applications, which is an amazing textbook if you ever want to learn about all sorts of high throughput data systems. Um, and his thesis is, is much more around the future of the systems that we're trying to build in the blockchain space are actually going to be uh, distributed systems, but not decentralized ones, not ones that involve a blockchain. Um, they're, because local first computing, i.e., you know, devices interconnecting with one another, mesh nets and all that kind of stuff, and building from the bottom up is a more decentralized way of building a resilient network, according to some. I mean, I'm, I'm grossly simplifying. A very large body of academic work and some really cool practical applications that they've built but um i'm gonna stop talking now but yeah <laughs> what is decentralization i think is a really interesting question like that i think we have to grapple with as validators and mm -hmm. um well the other I'm not question sure how i feel about it <laughs> is 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 decentralization necessary in certain applications so you know for example juno the intention of that chain is to be decentralized, right? But then you take, uh, you know, something that's got some regulatory issues like, um, you know, for example, Sage, which is coming up, uh, they, you know, they may need to uh, operate in a different way uh, so that they can manage risks. In a, So it might not in, be intentionalized to be um you know, fully decentralized. And, and that's not the only only example. Um, you know, what's the business model? Does it need to be decentralized? What's, what value is there in decentralization for some projects? But obviously other projects require, well, want to be, that's that's what they want to be. They want to be decentralized. So we're, we're POS. We're not like, uh, you know, in the whole point of um, proof of work Bitcoin is that it's completely decentralized. Um, but you know, proof of stake, yeah. uh, specific 
um, you know, uh, application-based modules, you know, what's is there advantage in being decentralized? Do you need? I guess to be- it's kind of setting up an oligarchy, isn't it? Rather than, and this is kind of, and this is kind of back to like a lot of the things that were thrown at the validators during Prop sixteen is that you effectively do see the functioning of the validator set as a potential oligarchy in a situation like that, like in a very, where, where voting power really does matter and there is a contentious issue on the table. Um, and I think that that presents its own problems. I mean, because we talked about this a few weeks ago now when I was said, well, yeah, what would happen if we made the entire validator set fungible? Like, essentially, um, meaning that validators, entry and exit to the set is very easy. So validators that are in the set have less security. Validators outside the set have more likelihood of entering the set and earning rewards, even if that position is like um, not easy to, to guarantee because maybe it's either done algorithmically or it's done according to some metric that means people are kicked and cycled on a regular basis. Would that be desirable? And obviously from a business perspective, the answer is no. Right. <laughs> I, I remember this conversation, and I was thinking, "Fucking you!" you I think you, know. you you did actually call me a fucking idiot, like <laughs> to my face. Um, Depends on the chat. You were saying some crazy shit that day. It was, uh, <laughs> very, uh, yeah, it was it was more academic than I had an appetite for at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 then it does go back to that question of like what. Well, if you want a decentralized network, you have to do things like, yeah, cycle the validator set. You have to make the validator set fungible, or you have to use light clients or some other method for um, bringing online processing power that isn't like in a you know, distributed among a small set of machines, right? Right. So then, so then it kind of follows that we've decided that decentralization is actually not as important yeah. as a stable set of computing power, which then brings us onto the question as well. Okay. At the moment, we have this tragedy of the common situation where some people are, like in Blockpain's blog post, which is really great, and everybody should go check it out. Um, second shout out to Blockpain, who's he those really cool tools for validators that make me we can look at pretty diagrams of where all the packets are going and stuff. Um, but like, you go, okay, well, if there's these different tiers of validators, like a validator tier list, obviously, where like usurpers like S plus tier. And oh, Schultz is like H H plus tier for handsome. Um, and then there's like some kind of like all the way down. Wholesome. There's like some C minus tier. All the way to the vampire. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's like some C minus tier. You know, like, you know when you first start boot up Metal Gear 5 and you're abducting guys for your research base and they're like, they just don't even move the needle. Somewhere in that tier, that's like me um, uh, and, and our validator op- operation, right? So... But then the question is, like, if there are all these tiers of validators, can you do things with your chain and the way you build it to actually incentivize that that behavior? Because certainly there are projects in proof of proof of work um, that have come up with novel incentive structures to do things other than just incentivize people in the network to shuffle transactions around. Like Arweave is a really great example of this. And they talk a lot about the incentive structures they use to store um, data, right? Because that's their their thing. And so you go, well, okay, should our validator sets be incentivized to run RPCs and uh, run relayers and this kind of stuff? Should that stuff be mandatory? Um, it sounds like we're, we're almost circling around Null's favorite topic, which is foundation delegation. I don't know. It seems like we're kind of in that range. Or incentivizing 
based on inequality. It's kind of, aren't we there, almost there? That's episode four, right? Yeah, maybe another episode. Episode four, just a 40 minute <laughs> rant from Noel about foundation. About foundation delegation. So would would a hundred so going back to I think what, what Schultze brought into this into this topic was with the idea around the Cosmos prop sixty six, which is they want to be able to bring it from I think it's one fifty to one seventy five, is that right? Or is it one twenty five? Yeah, that's correct. One fifty to one seventy five. Yep. So moving from one fifty to one hundred and seventy five validators, does it make any difference? Is so, it at all important? So the answer to that is is yes, but if you did Forgive me for a moment for like looping back around what Frey was saying back to craft. He was talking about um, how different validators have like different worths. Um, and I'm going to take a moment here to talk about like the craft uh, testnet. So one of the reasons why your Genesis set is really important is, is basically for this reason. Um, it, you, for your Genesis, you want a handful of strong validators that have experience getting a network going basically so you can create that initial stability um, you can have 15, 20, 25, it's fine. Um, and then once you have that initial set, then you can expand past that to the less experienced folks. And this kind of creates a, an awkward incentive system. So you'll notice that on almost all Cosmos chains, you'll have Cosmos station on there because they have experience. But now because they're on all Cosmos chains, they have the lion's share of delegations. And so you enter this strange kind of paradox where you need some experience to get your chain going, but because you are using that experience to get your chain going, you are further lifting up the already experienced people and letting those that aren't as experienced kind of fall through the cracks. Um, there's something of a heuristic where if you're joining a, a network, let's say a week after Genesis, you, yeah. there's a strong chance you will just never be profitable as a validator. Sure. Um, I have 25 networks to show that we're validating for and fewer than half are even paying for their server costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's quite common. And so it's an unfortunate state that I don't quite know where the point I was eventually wrapping around to with this was, but something I wanted to point out. But the other, the other piece of it, which we saw in Osmosis, was like I got pushed out of Osmosis twice, or we got Rhino got pushed out of Osmosis twice, once back in fall of last year when, when really it started to pick up and the price started to be able to shoot up. And so you had a lot more money coming in. And then again, after they expanded from 100 to 125, we were in for maybe – 45 days, 60 days or something like that. And then what you saw is you saw outside money coming in from other chains and you have validators that were not in, Co- in Cosmos at all that came in from in from, from Polkadot or came in from somewhere else that, that brought up proof of stake type structures in there. So you had really large players coming in that I, I agree, like the idea of being able to bring in new validators or groups and, and we're all independent, right? So the idea of bringing more independence in is obviously important to all of us, right? Like that's what we that's what I think we collectively want. Um I think expanding the set does do that. I don't know if it does that for a long time. Like we we had that with, you know, Messi on Juno. We've had that with other great validators who know and have good operations but eventually get pushed out because you know, we always talk about the floor is lava with when you join after Genesis and and when the floor is lava and meaning what we mean by that is that that as this set expands and as the minimum keeps rising, it's very difficult to be a small independent trying to be able to build that up when you're at the bottom of the set because nobody wants to delegate to the last 10%, right? And they just feel that as being a risk. And so therefore that becomes a, that becomes a metric of staying in, which is associated to how much cash you bring into it or the, the validator or the group that's behind that validator brings into it. And frankly, as an independent validator, those numbers are usually pretty small compared to, 
somebody coming in from, you know, from an institution or something else like that. So I think when, when something like Cosmos, like when, when, when the Atom wants to expand that out to 175, I, I look at that and say, well, that's a good opportunity for Rhino. Like I would love to be able to be able to be a validator in Atom. I also look at it to say, who is that opening a door for? And is that, is that us or is it me? I should say, I don't get, um, or is that, is that institutions that are coming in and, you know, something else similar to that? Well, I'll, I'll share it this way. Um, with this set expand, we're looking at this as an opportunity. I mean, we're, we're definitely not in set. We can't afford what the floor was. Last I saw it was something well over a sure. million dollars, you know, and we're on 14 chains right now, so we're not doing too bad. But like Schultz said, not all of them pay for themselves. There are some that just simply don't even cover server costs, let alone labor and all that. So... I think expanding set is good in that, yes, we can bring in other validators and all that, but there is that risk of absolutely just someone sees a chance and, all right, we've got a million dollars to burn. Screw it. Let's get in the Atom set. And now we're earning all these extra tokens that are almost always airdrop too. Boom. Done. All right. Um, And I kind of want to tie this to what you guys were talking about before with decentralization and kind of how I pick a validator. Um, there's something that I've been thinking about for the past few weeks, and it was a, uh, a GitHub, basically repo that Bro and Bro Validator shared. Uh, it's like December 1st of 2021, so last year, months ago. And um, it's called the Bro Rating. And so basically they took validators, and I believe it was the Osmosis set, and they ranked them based on a variety of factors. So it was like greed, reputation, um, community involvement, contributions, whether it was uh, you know code or adding nodes for layers, different things they were doing. And then you know uh, governance, but, you know that's a big one, of course. And all of these factors adding up. And you were you know this list they initially made was showing a lot of validators that may have been a lot lower on the list actually showing up a lot higher on this rating system because they're actively trying harder. Sure. They're you know they're not at the top stacked with all this money and they don't have to care. We see that in a lot of these chains where the top ten they may not be voting anywhere near as much as everybody below them because. They're solidified in their position. You know, they're cool. They're chilling. They've got a nice team delegation. And with that, they just continue to get the, the lion's share of delegations coming in. So, um, you know, I've been thinking about how could we take this sort of rating system, build it into a simple UI that the community could go to and it's updated on either a daily, weekly, whatever basis. And people can look at it and go, okay, uh, I want to pick a new validator. Who should I delegate to and why? And just based on various factors, and you know, these are, these are things that we could all discuss and choose what metrics matter, and not go from there. I think it, I think that's a, I mean I think that's a bit of the holy grail. Like we, I think that everybody who's on this would want that. I, the the big challenge of that is like how do you bring that into MintScan? How do you bring that into Kepler? How do you bring that into into the? Cow? Now got a question. You have a, is that a question? I, I have some ideas on that, and I've, okay. I've talked about these with a few people um, in the past, but no matter what solution you go with, it's subjective to the person who's doing the assessment and the reporting, sure. right? So an idea I had was that, um, you know, teams who are essentially, you know, uh, 
developers of the, the um, blockchain or, or you know, trusted in the community or, or whoever, some part of the system would sort of recognise the contributions from people and assign them a revocable NFT, um, non-transferable revocable NFT for that attribute. For example, if you're a relayer and you're on the network every month, you get a relayer NFT and then scan picks up that nft and if you hover over the icon on a moniker for that validator you get their nfts which show their contributions to the network i have an idea that how do i monetize it <laughs> well, so i think i think Noel's heard my idea on this which is that like you know i i hear i hear that there's a positive correlation between voting and a validator's involvement in a network and I go well I can write a smart contract to look that up right mm-hmm. easy peasy um, so well and um, a lot of those things can be can be sort of sorted out in code now with the caveat that there are some chains that's not true of like Stargaze because of how their their um, claim worked they had to just put up loads of spurious governance proposals and I didn't vote on them and, and neither Needlecast yeah. because it was just like I, w- I'm not just clicking yes to click yes on a claim your airdrop number seven governance prop, which has no meaning. Um, so there are obviously some chains that would work on, some chains it wouldn't work on. But I'm I'm obviously quite bullish on the idea that you know the question of how do you know whether somebody's running relayers? Well, you can just say that there's actually, for example there are tiers of validators. So why does there have to be only one validator set? You know, for the point of view of consensus, sure. that there is only one validator set. For the point of view of actually adding metadata to a validator set that's shown to a user or that's stored on chain, there's no reason why there can't be more than one validator set. Or indeed, that you can't actually change the voting power or the, you know, uh, yeah, essentially like the, the rewards that a validator is getting um, based on criteria criteria that you define economically as a chain um, and encode yeah, into cool. it, like be it RPC. So, so like you get a multiplier if you like, you know, provide this service and it's it can be read by this smart contract and you get a, a multiplier. Yeah, I mean, uh, you changed your tone because the last time I talked about this with you, you said I was mad. So um, No, well, I think you were mad at the time, but you were talking about other shit as well. <laughs> but sorry, I, I I didn't think I I uh, gleaned that when you were talking about this to me before. So just actually grasp me out here because I was really saying if you like, so say you provide a service, right? You um, can pick that up in code, and then you know if you're providing that in association with your uh, validator wallet. Or if you declare that somehow in your in your validator wallet transactions, then then if it picks up that service, then that is going to give you a multiplier for your uh, rewards. Is that what you're saying? Um, so I'm saying you can write this. I'm saying it doesn't exist in any Cosmos chain at the moment, mm-hmm. and it would no longer be proof of stake. So you would have to write custom code for your chain to essentially take out of band information 
and uh, essentially decide what the current state, like who is currently a validator is not just a function of are they participating in consensus, it's also is X other economic criteria fulfilled. Um, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot from going back and looking at proof of work chains that are doing things using extra infrastructure, be it like file storage or be it like um, economic incentives around document access, like are we right? Where they they essentially are trying to get people into a. So if you want someone to run three additional services as well as a validator, right? The the equilibrium where those services will be up is to just say is to not tell the validator which one you're going to look up, but only look up one of them because you don't need to look up all three, right? Every every block or every X blocks, mm-hmm. you just look up one and see is it live. And you never tell them which one it's going to be. And if it's not live, boom, you're out of the set for that block or that set of blocks or that yeah. tranche, you know? Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's where I was starting to think you were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and this was the bit actually, that, this is the bit that in, null through some means. That was at 4 a.m. In that same question, in, in that same conversation, you were talking about randomly assigning a voter in your set of delegators. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, I think there would be some interesting stuff around um, validators not necessarily wielding their own voting power. Um, though this is an area where obviously the political scientists and theorists have done a lot more research than I have. Um, but the idea that you're sort of, you know, the, a voting block exists, right? And the, mm-hmm. the validator is currently the executor of that vote. Yeah. But why? Why is it not the case that that vote is not given to a is just round robin to a key that is delegating to that validator, and they decide how that voting block votes? And if people don't like it, they can vote against that person's vote or that wallet's vote. And the validator themselves, if they have a large self stake, can just vote themselves. It's not like anybody's telling you. It's just putting again. It's like you know, is it necessarily right that validators always have this privileged position to to exercise that vote? Maybe it is, and we have seen Prop 16 play. I mean, this, so we had this conversation a few weeks ago before Prop 16 was even a glint in Wolf Contract's eye. So, you know, I think we've seen with Prop 16 that actually having a, a block of voting power with validators who have different incentives to, to sort of ordinary users might actually be a valuable thing. But it's, I think it's also worth questioning whether or not, you know, you could, yeah, delegate votes to, to one voter, to, to, to one delegator of the validator, and then they execute the vote for GovProp. I think that's quite an interesting idea. I don't know if it would pan out well, but... <laughs> it could be something interesting. It could be something that you guys could do today with DAO, at least in Juno. Like, you could, from even King Nodes, your DAO, you guys could put proposals up and be able to take an initial vote on how King Nodes will vote, for example, or something similar to that. You guys could do that. And as Wasm kind of moves across chains, it might be something to be able to think about in terms of saying, I want to, and maybe just the yes, no, vote, no with veto is not enough. But as we get into more complex voting structures and things like that, I think the idea that a validator, meaning me, this, this brain, making a decision for, I've been a little bit vocal about this, but making a decision for everybody who doesn't vote is a little bit not, the perfect situation. So finding another way to be able to, to be able to bring that forward or make it a little bit more community driven. Um, not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't effectively model a validator's um, actual vote, like the block vote as essentially a DAO's governance prop. And then say, right. well, you can do, do that. With choice voting? Yeah. You could do that yeah, with, exactly. with all and assign it to that um, DAO address. 
Cal makes a good yeah. point around, around the voting period and things like that. Yeah, I, 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 there's a timing issue here too, right? Because you want to be able to give your delegates who might hold a specific token the ability to be able to guide that vote and those types of things. But honestly, that that DAO situation is more maybe of a it's more of a patch of that. No. Um, it's more of a patch of that issue versus kind of solving that problem, but I think it's it's going in the right direction. The other thing, just back to the idea around expanding the set and those types of things, I think one thing that if, if there's you know there's a lot of people I think are interested in the cosmos that are listening to this that might not be running validators and things like that. The other thing that thinks about from a validator perspective is is once you get in there and once you kind of make a decision you want to be able to get into a set if that set expands is the long term viability of that and and there's a there's kind of a the issue around. I want to be able to get in there, but I also want to make sure that I can be able to be a validator for my delegates long term. And so I was just actually going back into the osmosis. Everybody goes to MintScan and go to osmosis validators and look at inactive and look at the great validators that are inactive on osmosis after it went from 100 to 125, right? You have Cat Boss, you have, um, you have um, Polkachu, right? Hugely valuable validator in the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, you have Rhino. Hey, uh, you have there's there's like a huge list of really valuable organizations that have and Whispers in there as well, right? Ghost um, and and Mercury, others that have been really good, strong proponents and very vocal in the ecosystem that just cannot stay in set. And that's not just bad for them, like as a business, but but when we're delegating across or when you have you know delegates you're trying to build an ecosystem around and like be positive and ecosystem across multiple different chains you don't want to let those delegates round like you don't want to let them down right they might re-delegate to you and the next thing you know you're out of the set and they're stuck for the the period maybe 14 or 28 days that is not a good feeling for a validator like you want your delegates to earn that's number one right you want them to earn and to be in a position where you're getting pushed out of the set and then you're putting delegates in bad positions is really emotionally draining and so I think you see, might see, you know, set goes from 125 to 150 and you say, why aren't you jumping in that? Well, the reason is because I'm also, you want to do the right thing for the, you know, the customers that you have. It, it's risky. Absolutely. You know, people could yeah. delegate to you and then two days later, all of a sudden someone jumps in that has a lot more capital backing them and then you're gone and they just redelegated. Right. So they're stuck to you. Absolutely. You know, we were at the edge of the Juno set. Uh, you know, it was 125. We were 121 for like a week, and I was on Twitter just going like, you know, guys, like Help. anything, like you know, 10. I don't care. But we were losing delegations to like Putmos, and we were losing delegations to like, you know, all these oh airdrop vote stuff. And I'm not trying to right. name drop or bash. It's just it, it was really it was a challenge. You know, um, we got, we caught a lucky whale, and we really appreciated it. And now we're like in the mid 50s. You know, restake helped a lot, but. Yeah, it's definitely challenging when you're that low because people are taking a way bigger risk on you, you know? Right. So, you, that's right. I remember the yeah. word sledge. Oh, sledge. Yeah. That was the word. <laughs> I, I told you it was like shovel. That was what I was trying to remember earlier. I, I was. Wow, that was about, like a 50 minute throwback. About 59 minutes 45 in. minutes yeah. ago, I said that I was sledging somebody, but I not to discount remember. anything the whisper node was saying then. But yes, the prey has remembered <laughs> the word sledge. Those neurons are firing. Ago. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think is I think it's because you said you said you didn't want to put, put shade on on validators that were doing airdrops, and it kind of dropped me all the way back. It, it, if you like, it airdropped me all the way back to our previous conversation. I remember. Right. It. Yeah. And, I, I remember, and, and no, I, the intention and the intention was not to do that. It, it was simply just that. Yeah. And when you're that low in the set, 
it's very easy to lose, you know, delegates that you had before then to those new ones. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's okay. so I'm, I'm, I'm conscious a little bit of time. Um, I think we've we've kind of ended up having a pretty comprehensive discussion actually on on validator decentralization validators, what decentralization is in practice, and how you can maybe pick a validator. And uh, in, there's so much in here. I think there was any of these topics we could probably uh, do an entire episode on. So if there's any if there's any bits that we've been talking about here that are particularly interesting then do shout them out or um uh, get in touch with us on uh, twitter and let us know and we can maybe like uh, expand on some things in future episodes um certainly as i'm sure i had to shut myself up because i was getting too excited about talking about economic incentives there's a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> around extensions to proof of stake which you know may or may not actually be working on some stuff for cough 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 so um but there's also just, I think, a lot that we can do within what we're currently all, all validating on, which are proof-of-stake proof of chains, right? Um, and how we, uh, I think it was Usurper who said, like, we have a stake as independent validator teams, but obviously we're biased towards bringing in more independent validators because it is inherently uh, more stable for all of us to work together when we are all small, similar-styled organizations and businesses, whereas... Yeah, like if somebody comes in with a huge like uh, bag from Solana and just buys their way into a set and knocks one of us out, it's like, oh, okay, that kind of right. sucks. Um, but yeah, in the interest of time, should we move on to our final question, uh, the, our final regular question we do every week? Uh, yeah, yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, let's do it quickly. So okay. what, what is our target? Is it an hour? It's, a, it's, a, it's about it's about an hour, I think. Like we always we always go a little bit over by the time we do final question, but uh, you know, I think I think let's let's try and keep. I think we, if we try and keep them to an hour, and if people think the subject wasn't dealt dealt enough time, they can always have a go at us in the comments, and we can come back around yeah. to it. Flame us in the comments so we get more uh, impressions. Yeah, yeah sledge us <laughs> in, in the comments. Yeah, sledge us in the comments from for impressions' sake. Um, so, all right then. Well, let's go around the room then um, with our end of show question, which is, uh, "What are you most excited about this week?" Um, maybe we'll go in order this time. So, the fray. What are you excited about, man? I don't want to mention Prop Sixteen again, but I'm going to mention it. I'm I am excited about the. I think I think uh, Prop Seventeen is currently passing, which is the software upgrade, uh, the nerdy software upgrade that allows us to do governance contracts. Yay. I'm kind of excited to get Unity audited, um, get it put together and get it put, put in front of the community. I, you know, I genuinely think this is next level tech. This is the next level um, opportunity to show the maturity of Juno's technology and its community. And I, I don't think there's really anything um, in the Cosmos ecosystem right now that is as exciting as the idea of resolving this solution, this governance situation with a smart contract. So that's that's what I'm excited about. Awesome, whisper. Hundred uh, percent. I'm going to go on the meme side and say Authy for Chihuahua. I <laughs> running a restake fork and just all that. I'm excited for like twelve, thirteen hundred percent APY. So, you know, huge fan of Tom's. Big shout out to EcoStake for building restake. I know a lot of us use it. Uh, a lot of people watching are definitely probably using it. And yeah, I'm just excited for Chihuahua to finally enable that. So it's got to be mine. Awesome. 
Yeah, man. Always a shout out to Tom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Usurper? Uh, I think this week, I'm not going to say Evmos again because that's my, my answer the last two weeks. So even though it, I see progress, things are happening. Um, I'm excited for that coming back. I, I do think that this week we're going to see a turnaround on Cosmos token prices. Can we talk about prices? Um, we've had a bit of a slide. you got to say that's a Game of Notes price chat. We have a bit of a slide for a few weeks. Um, and I guess we're just paying off the debts that Cosmos had during while the rest of the crypto market slid. And now we're paying for that a little bit. Um, you know, back to Chihuahua and the great work that's being done at Stargaze and others. I'm, I'm hoping to see that we see some of the value that comes out of that um, kind of move forward here. I, I would agree also on um, kind of Prop 17 and moving forward with the upgrade. I, you know, we, we talked about this last week and just the, the um, diversity in terms of viewpoints and those types of things. But I, I think if we can move together towards a solution and move past this, that that's the best possible thing. And so it seems like that's finally going in the right direction as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the next week. But by the time we talk next Wednesday, just in terms of making more progress associated with that. Yeah. Awesome. Chelsea. Yeah. So, uh, again, my, my, uh, the thing I'm most excited about is, is more than just a week, but, um, secret network is something of like my home network. And lately they've been getting, um, a lot of heat after the shade airdrop, the network basically slowed to a halt. Um, but they have a lot of really cool things going on that are happening soon. Um, they have query nodes that should make uh, the network speed up. Um, and they also have a lot of really cool things going on for, for governance that I think that other Cosmos chains can, can take note of. Um, and so I'm really excited for those improvements that are, that are coming basically just around the corner um, for Secret because Secret is my home. Can query nodes, we, we could take what's being done there and apply it to the rest of these chains? I don't think so. Um, the query node optimizations are really based around how SGX handles it, mm. um, potentially, but I err towards not on my discussions with, with the core developers. That'd be pretty cool for RPC nodes and API nodes and things like that around here versus actually keeping a whole copy of the chain and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's something ridiculous, like a like a 5,000% performance increase. Yeah, I saw that. Um, with these, yeah. Yeah, cool. so I think that's that's really exciting for me personally. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, what am I excited about, uh, man? Prop seventeen. It was pretty pretty cool that it wasn't the actual prop it was supposed to be, and that uh, it, it's an it's an upgrade. I like that, but um, I'm excited for that upgrade. This uh, this smart contract um, governance, I think, is going to be like. A really big thing now that someone's pulled the trigger and done it. Um, I'm excited to see what developers do with it as well in expanding it um, and its capabilities. Um, and yeah, man, I, I think um, I think it's really exciting. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to uh, episode 2.5. A lot of a lot of good discussion about that prop yep. uh, and what it brings to Juno. Um, so yeah, man, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, so I guess that kind of brings us to the end, unless anyone else has something they wanted to discuss. The Frey, do you want to do your wrap up, man, with your like and subscribe? Do you know what? I actually, uh, just realized I didn't do a like and subscribe at the end of 2.5. I think we just oh, said, thank I mean, I think we just said like, thank you for listening to an hour of nerd chat and then, and then hit the <laughs> button. Um, so... <laughs> 
with that in mind, uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. As always, um, it's been really, really cool. I mean, this was kind of a, a dumb idea that we all kind of came up with. I think Null, in particular, pushed us off the cliff to the you know we should do a podcast, and the fact that people listen to it is still um, surprising, surprising and awesome. So thank you for bearing with us. For those of you that haven't yet subscribed and liked, you should do that via the buttons down below hit the bell icon if you're on youtube as well so you get notifications of upcoming streams and if you're on other podcast players um leave us a comment or a, or a rating depending on which one you're on because that will help us get a little bit more visibility and also it means that you say your surface hard work in distributing it to all those other platforms is not wasted though if you're listening yeah. of course it's not wasted anyway um so it's on spotify with- right it's everywhere oh yeah no definitely get on spotify I got it. Let's do it. So I I did want to mention um, actually just a couple other things on top of that. I think we should just uh, remind everyone at the end here that uh, we are independent validators. If you do like what we're doing and maybe research our nodes and if you like how we look, maybe give us a, um, you know, consider delegating to us as well, uh, which we probably should mention. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And other than that, if you have suggestions that uh, you want us to talk about on the show or you think we can improve in anything, whether, you know, you want us all to be in cars while we're, um, you know, doing the podcast, just let us know. But um, other than that, thanks a lot. (laughs)